Good morning. Good to see everybody out this morning. I want to welcome all of our visitors. And uh, got Brother Keith Allison in going to preach for us this morning, so y'all pray for him. Brother Matt's going to come start us off in a word of prayer, and then we'll all stand and sing a little bit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day, this glorious day that you've given us, dear Lord. And thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for giving us the opportunity to come back to your house, dear God. Uh, we, we ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you, you bless this service this morning, dear Heavenly Father, and touch each and every heart here, dear God. Uh, just lead us and guide us, dear Heavenly Father, and just, just be there for us, dear Lord. Uh, thank you for all you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand page 306. Page 116. <coughs>
seated, pray for the choir as we sing.
page 199. 199.
everybody doing today? Awesome. It is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, yesterday we had a really good time out here for, uh, for, for the youth group. And uh, if you were there uh, having a good time or you're there helping, uh, I really appreciate all y'all's help. Thank you very much. Uh, just a few announcements right here. Uh, remember, uh, it's going to be today at four o'clock. We got Mackenzie Woods baby shower. So don't forget that. Uh, let's see, on the 28th, we got a ladies' Bible study. It starts at 11 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Uh, now, Teresa's going to have to double up a little bit, so she said to tell everybody that you're going to go over part four and five. So if you know what that means, uh, part four and five. <laughs> uh, August the 2nd, we have the annual uh, officers' conference. Uh, now, if you're looking to come out of a position or you want to take on one, let uh, Brother Terry or I know. Uh, we do have an opening for uh, the uh, Happy Pilgrims. Uh, so please be in prayer for that. And if y'all want to take on that, let one of us know. And also, Ashley Barrett's class, she is needing a help. Okay. Uh, so we'll be in prayer for that as well. And, and let us know about that, please. Um, let's see. I believe that's, that's about it. Thank y'all very much. Troubles come against me And I feel so overwhelmed When it seems the more try giving My troubles seem to swell When I reach the end of me And my faith is getting dim I hear a sweet voice whisper Bring it all to Him I'll just bring it all to Him It is. 
Keith here with us this morning. Uh, you come on up and uh, preach to us. And uh, appreciate you and your wife coming out. And uh, just close it out any way you feel at the end. Right. God bless you. It's good to see you. Amen. Well, let me say how much I really enjoyed y'all singing this morning. What a blessing in the Sunday school hour. Appreciate Brother Marty and his teaching. It is an honor for my wife and I to be here this morning and want to thank uh, y'all for the invitation to come be a part of the services today and I'm just uh, grateful. I was trying to think probably the last time I preached at the Merville Baptist Church was sometime in the early 90s probably. Brother Dwayne was the pastor here in the old building and I think I preached, uh, I know I preached in a preacher's fellowship one night and uh, but anyway that's been a long time ago. But it's an honor to be here. It's so good to see. I know some a lot of faces. Maybe can't put the name on it. I know the Bagleys and Miss Carolyn. And it's good to see Clifford and Martha Allen. Brother Clifford and Martha used to be the uh, pastor at the Antioch Baptist Church. And when Carolyn and I first married, we joined over there. We were just kids. And they took us in just like their own. And uh, really helped us in those early years. And I'll never forget them. Good to see Chad and Renee. But it's just a blessing to be here. Aren't you glad you saved today? Amen. Amen. Now, my wife's wearing those sunglasses. She's not covering up a black eye, okay? <laughs> so I just want y'all to know that. She's not trying to hide a black eye, but she's had, had a cataract removed. And so she's still within the time frame that they want her to wear the glasses. Keep too much light from going in. But it is an honor for us to be here. Would you open your Bible to the book of Revelation, chapter number 1? Revelation, chapter number 1. We've been praying for y'all that God will just continue to bless y'all and give you leadership and direction in the days to come. Loved you, former pastor, Brother John. He was a great man of God. Still is a great man of God. We think a lot of him. Revelation chapter number 1. And if you found your place, if you are able, and if you aren't, I understand. But if you're able, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God? Revelation 1. And I want to begin reading with verse number 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. 
and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now verse 17 and 18 is my text verse for this morning, or verses. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Thank you for standing, and may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his good word of God. You may be seated. Thank you. We sing a song, and I'm sure it's you probably have it as well and sing it, about the name of it is Because He Lives. And I want to use that thought this morning, and I want to preach on that, Because He Lives. This probably would be a good Easter service but this ain't Easter, okay? So I'm a, we're going to celebrate His resurrection anyway, okay? Amen. We ought to do that every day. But Jesus said, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. When you think about it, John wrote the book of Revelation somewhere around A.D. 95. And Jesus uh, has been crucified and been gone back to heaven for over 60 years. And so it has been over 60 years since John has seen Jesus. But now he sees him while he is here on the Isle of Patmos, and the Lord lets him have this vision that he does and sees the things that he writes in the book of Revelation. But when he sees the Lord this time, he looks entirely different than he did the last time he saw him. The last time he saw him was in Acts chapter number 1 before Jesus ascended back to heaven and he still somewhat looked uh, as he did. But when John describes him in Revelation chapter number 1, he has taken on that glorified appearance. And he sees him as he describes him in verses number 13 through verse number 16. And I believe that's the way that you and I will see him as well when we see him one day in heaven. But here John, when he sees him, he falls at his feet. And the Lord laid his right hand upon him. And he said, fear not. I thought about the voice that John heard. As a matter of fact, he said that he heard the voice. But I thought about the voice that John heard, and I see that it was a, the voice of a comforter because he said, fear not, in verse number 17. And I'm thankful that God still speaks with the voice of a comforter to his people. In the trials and in the difficulties that we may be in, he still speaks with that distinguished and, and not audible, but that uh, authoritative voice that brings comfort to our hearts. 
It also, he spoke with a voice as of a conqueror. You say, what do you mean? He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. <laughs> Amen. He conquered death and the hell and the grave. And I'm glad that when he speaks to you and I, it is that voice of a conqueror. When we read his word, we know that we are serving a sovereign God that is in charge and is in control. And speaking of control, he spoke with the voice of a controller because he told John that I have the keys of hell and of death. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's a, a comfort to me. I know that a person can probably feel a premature grave by getting out of the will of God and committing that sin unto death according to the book of 1 John. But I'm glad to know that Jesus has the keys of hell and of death. And if I live for him and serve him and do my best to live as he wants me to live, can I say to you that I'm going to be on this earth in this body just as long as he wants me to. And whenever he's done with me, then he'll open the key of death in my life. So he's in control, and that ought to be an encouragement to all of us. I'll take my medication. I do take cholesterol medication. I, I will take my medication. I'll try to take my vitamins, take care of myself. But, and I believe that's what he wants us to do, amen. But ultimately, he holds the key. So he is the one that's in control. But when you think about the Lord being alive today, and I know when we think about the resurrection, we include it in the, in the gospel message as Brother Marty was talking about. I believe the gospel is, goes back to that virgin birth, takes in that sinless life, that vicarious death, being buried and then raised again the third day. And a lot of times we regulate the resurrection simply to the past. And then we'll regulate the, re the resurrection to the future when we talk about our loved ones that have died, when we talk about uh, our future and the resurrection and the Lord's coming. But I'm glad that the resurrection is for the present tense as well. Not just a truth to rejoice in about the past or a truth to rejoice in about the future, but because he lives, it means something to you and I today. Amen. And if, you, if you're not living under the light and under the umbrella of that truth that Jesus is alive and well today, if you're not living under that, then you are missing so many blessings in your Christian life. I want, to, I want you to follow me now. And we're going to go to a few places in the Bible. Now, many of you have heard me preach, and one of the gentlemen told me that he hears me uh, on the list, listens to me on the radio, WGTJ out of Gainesville, uh, Saturday mornings from 8.30 to 9. I'll put that plug in right there, but you can hear us on the radio. Been on the radio over there for a long time. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 7. We're going to start here. And we're going to look at a, a few places this morning that is significant when we think about because he lives. And what does that mean today? In the book of Hebrews, we know that the writer is making a contrast between Christ 
and all that the Jews had under that Old Testament economy. He goes through the book of Hebrews and says that he's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than the priest. He's better than the, uh, the sacrifice under the Old Testament economy. He's better, he's better, and he's better. And I say, thank God he's better. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Amen. So we see in Hebrews 7, he's talking about him being better uh, than the priest. And he says in verse number 22, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they, that is talking about the Old Testament priest, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. In other words, they got 50 years old, they had to cease being a priest. They had to retire. And then because of them dying, naturally they could not continue in their priesthood. And this is the, this is the contrast that the writer is making between them and between Jesus. We know that Jesus never lived on this earth up until uh, till 50. He was only 33 and a half when he was crucified. But look in verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever. In other words, because he arose from the dead, he continues forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. You see, the Old Testament priests, they died and were no longer able to function. But Jesus, as our priest, he died, but what happened? He got up, amen. And he did not cease to be a priest, but he continues his high priestly work. And because of that, look in verse 25, wherefore, and the word wherefore is telling us uh, the, the result of the fact that he continues forever. Because he continues, wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Look now, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Thank God you are saved. If you're saved this morning, you are saved because Jesus lives. Amen. You are saved. Uh, because that, that morning, that evening, whenever it was that you knelt in an altar or wherever you were at and trusted Christ as your Savior, on that day, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ appropriated the work of the cross in your life. Just like that priest in the Old Testament, uh, they would offer that sacrifice on the outside at the altar. He would take that blood and then go into the holy place and then sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. He was appropriating the blood of the sacrifice. And because Jesus lives, he is the place of sacrifice. He is the sacrifice and he is the great high priest. And whenever you and I bowed the knees of our heart to trust him, thank God he was alive and is alive and he appropriated the work of the cross in your life and that's how you're saved this morning. Amen. It excites me. I, I, listen, I was saved in 1974 and I've never got over it. I don't plan on getting over it. 
I try, I'm trying to pick up steam, matter of fact, amen. I'm more excited than I've ever been. Hey, because he lives, he is able to save sinners, thank God. And it's we can preach the gospel with hope and expectation, knowing that when sinners hear the gospel, that Jesus is alive and that he can save them here in July the 23rd of 2023, amen. He still can save sinners. Matter of fact, I just finished revival last night over at Mount Zion number two with Brother Stephen Gerald's. And on Friday night, uh, there was about a 14-year-old boy, 13, 14-year-old, uh, got saved in the service. Uh, just a, another reminder uh, that Jesus lives, amen, and appropriating the work of the cross, amen, in these days, amen. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five, because he lives. Not only is he able to save the sinners, but because he lives, he is able to preserve the saints. I'm just giving you a simple gospel message today. Because he lives, he is able to preserve the saints. Look in Romans chapter number five. I'll back up to verse number eight. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us. Watch this. In that while we were yet sinners, he didn't wait till you got your life cleaned up. He didn't wait till you became a faithful church member. He didn't wait till you started singing in the choir. But thank God he commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we were undeserving and unworthy of his grace. Undeserving and not worthy of what he was going to do for us. But he loved us while we were sinners. Look what it said. He, he said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what I'm after. Look in verse 9 and 10. Much more than. That is how much more? Much more than. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be future tense saved from wrath through him. That means two things. I'm not going through the tribulation period, amen. And then I'm, I'm not going to go to hell. But why? Uh, because he died for me and he is my savior. Uh, listen, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Amen. Hey, we're in the last days and this thing's going to about wind up soon, friend. And the wrath of God's going to be poured out. But thank God, I'm under the shed blood this morning. You hear me? Amen. I'm under that shed blood. Watch this. Watch this now in verse number 10. For if, look at Paul's reasoning. This is, you want to know the security of your salvation? Here it is. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. If God reconciled you, which means that God drew you to him uh, through the death of Christ, uh, Jesus' blood uh, paid for the redemption. He paid the price uh, for our sins that we might be reconciled to God. God cannot sweep our sins under the rug. He cannot just ignore it. He cannot just excuse it. Our sin had to 
to be dealt with. And when Jesus died on the cross, God rolled our sins over on his shoulders and judged him in our stead. And then he imputed the righteousness of Christ unto us. And you and I are saved because of the righteousness of God. Amen. He doesn't see my sin. He sees the righteousness of his son in my life. Well, if God did that for me when I was a sinner, look now, here's the thought. Here's the thought. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. Watch by his life. My eternal security is not dependent upon me keeping my salvation. It's not dependent upon me continuing to do right and to live right. If you're truly saved, you want to do right, Brother Ron. You want to live right. If you're truly saved, uh, you'll bear the fruits of a redeemed individual. But I'm telling you uh, that the the reason that you and I uh, can say that heaven is our home and we know that we're saved and secure to that day it's because Jesus is alive today amen our life is in his life he is the surety he is the guarantee he is the very earnest of the fact that we're saved and on our way to heaven some morning brother ransom I get up and I don't feel saved sometimes I disappoint myself in my life, sometimes by my actions, by my thoughts, by my words, I may be, I may not be living the faith. That, you know what I'm talking about? Get caught up in the moment. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad this morning, a friend, that it doesn't depend on what you and I do. It depends on what he's already done. That's why we're saved. And that's how we know we're going to heaven. Amen. So he's able to. Preserve his saints. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter number four. Just giving you some simple Bible truths this morning about because he lives. Ephesians chapter number four. I love it. I love my Bible, don't you? Amen. I love the word of God. In Hebrews chapter number four, uh, the Bible says this. Y'all know it. You can quote this verse tonight we, or this morning. We go to it so many times. The Bible says in Hebrews four and verse number 14, listen to the writer's reasoning again. Seeing then, Hebrews four fourteen. seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Listen, this isn't talking about the past. This isn't talking about the future. It's talking about right now. Right now. Look in verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And what he's saying there is that it is possible uh, even under that Old Testament economy uh, that that priest that they had, he was, he was ordained, he was anointed, and it was his responsibility uh, to make the offering for the people. Uh, but there's a possibility that that man, that somebody might come to that man and needing help and the man really not enter into their hurt, really not enter into where they're at. He was not able to enter into their infirmity 
infirmities with them like he ought to. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we've got a high priest uh, that knows every burden, uh, knows every care, uh, knows every sorrow. He knows more about you than you know yourself. We have one uh, that was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When sorrow comes, when sadness, when the trials in your life, when the things you don't understand, when you're, in a, when you're up against the wall, when you're in the darkness and there seems to be no light, Thank God in the time of need we can come where? Into the very throne room of heaven and through prayer and we can come to the throne of grace and we have a, listen, we have a living Savior, our high priest, amen, that can give us grace in the time of need. I may be the only one here, but I'm sure I'm not. But have you ever been in a place to where you just thought, I just can't go another, I just can't go another step? You ever been to a place in your life where you thought, you know, I'm just going to quit. I just, I just can't do it. I just can't. You, you ever been to the place where, where things were so uh, cloudy uh, in your heart and your mind and, and, and darkness had settled in and you just thought, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I'll tell you, I, I've been preaching since 1975. And, and, and there's been, there's been uh, not a lot, but there's been several times in all of these years uh, when I just said to myself, uh, God, I just can't do this any longer. I, I just can't handle it, especially when I pastored. Uh, there was times when I thought, God, I just can't do this. I just can't handle this. And I felt like I was going to, I was going to be crushed under the load of it all. But I keep finding myself uh, going back to the throne of grace. And I keep finding that he just remains faithful time after time after time even when I have to say Lord it's me again and it's all about the same purpose and the same reason again and he never gets tired of pouring the grace out for me Amen. now I come to preach I don't know what y'all were expecting Amen Amen I'm glad he's living today, amen, to give that grace. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter number 2. We're moving real quickly. I'll not hold you long, amen. We'll beat the Methodist to the restaurant this morning. Amen. 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2. Preaching on because he lives. First John 2, 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. That's God's perfect will. That you sin not. But he knows we're still in the flesh. And because of that, he continues and says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. 
because he lives, he is able to serve as our advocate, as our go-between, as the one uh, that stands between us and God. Now, this word advocate, it opens up a little doctrine in the New Testament that I want to just briefly share with you. For instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, listen carefully. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Y'all get that? There's one God and, and man, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, in 1 Timothy 2, 5, I believe if you'll look at that as a mediator, I believe you'll see that he's talking about in relationship to sinners. You've got a holy God. Or you've got a God that is holy and righteous and demands perfection. And then you've got the human race that are sinful, and they they cannot live up to the standards of God. We break the law of God and we cannot fulfill the standard that God has for us. And so the only way that we can be reconciled to God is because a mediator stepped in between both of us. He put his hand over on God a fully understanding and knowing all about God and his law and his requirements and then he put his hand over on man a fully understanding of the need of man and that mediator pulled the two of us together, amen. Aren't you glad for the mediator in Christ Jesus? He's the one between the two. But here in 1 John chapter number 2, this is to the saint. Once we have been drawn nigh to God through the mediator, then because Jesus lives, he's not only a mediator, but he's an advocate. And that means that when you and I that are already saved, that means when you and I sin and come short of the glory of God, the Father is seated on the throne and the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, our great high priest, our advocate, he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And when you and I sin and we confess our sin. 1 John chapter 1, if we say, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, uh, our, me, our advocate, a uh, friend, we as a saint, we may sin and come short of the glory of God, uh, but as far as the throne room is concerned, he takes care of that with the Father on our behalf. Amen. He, he reminds the Father uh, that he paid for that sin, uh, that he died for that sin sin at Calvary. Amen. But there's something else. Looking at him as our advocate. He not only is our mediator, he not only is our advocate, but Romans chapter 8 and verse 34, he's referred to as an intercessor. And when you look at his intercessory work, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And so as a mediator, it's between the sinner and between God. As an advocate, he's between, uh, he's between this Christian that sins and God. Uh, but as an intercessor, uh, what he does is on our behalf, he intercedes on our behalf. Now listen to prevent us from sinning. In other words, as an intercessor, he intercedes for you and I uh, to avoid having to serve as an advocate for us. Do you follow what I'm saying? The intercessor is the preventive. 
The advocate is when we do sin and he takes care of that. Oh, friend, I don't know about y'all, uh, but listen, I ought to be in hell with my back broke. Uh, but thank God for the grace of God and a great Savior uh, that we have this morning. Amen. I, I want to say number six. I'm giving you two and I'm done. Look in John chapter number 14. Because he lives, because he lives, he's able to prepare us a place in heaven. Amen. You say, what does that include? I don't know. This is what he said. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know what that means. All I know it means if I'm taking my King James Bible just like it says, he's gone to heaven and he said he was going to go prepare a mansion for us. Or he said in his father's house were many mansions. And that he was going to go prepare a place for us. I believe that. I'm looking forward to that. And he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, woo, I will come again and receive you. Hey, this is, this is wonderful that he said that in the past. And it's wonderful uh, to think about his coming in the future. But it's doing something for this preacher today. It's doing something for this preacher in present tense. Because I know that he's in heaven preparing a place for me. My wife and I live in our brick home over on 355 Alfred Taylor Drive in Demarest, Georgia. That's where I hang my hat and we call home. Amen. But I am a citizen of another world. My citizenship is in heaven. I have dual citizenship. The United States and heaven. Amen. And my home down here is at 355 in heaven. I don't, I mean, at, at Alfred Taylor. I don't know my address yet up in heaven, amen, but it's going to, I'll have one. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Because he lives, he's able to prepare up a place for us in heaven. And I'm done. Because he lives, he's able to come again. He's coming. We're in these last days. I think the rapture is as close. I know it's closer than it's ever been. That's just common sense. But I think you can look around and see what's going on in the world. All this stuff, all this madness that's happening, that's Bible being fulfilled. This world's gone crazy. And it just tells me that Jesus is coming back. He is alive. He said, if I go, and he did, he said, I will come again. And thank God he will come again. I've been preaching it all my life. I preach quite a bit of prophecy meetings. I think I've got three weeks on the books coming up in the next couple of two or three months. A part of my meetings are prophecy meetings. And, and, and I preach a lot on prophecy. But I just want you to know, friend. Uh, that Jesus is coming, amen. And it's because he lives. In Acts chapter number one, the apostles stood on the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem, uh, just a little short distance from Bethany. And they were looking up and Jesus was taken up from them in a cloud. He went up and the two and the angel said, oh, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? Uh, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, uh, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go away. Amen. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul said in Titus 2.11, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 3, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's coming again, amen. He lives and he's coming again. That is my hope. And when you study the book of Revelation, because he said that he is alive, then that enables him to fulfill all the future prophetic events. You go through the book of Revelation, it is, it is he that in Revelation 6 through 18, it is he that takes the book from the hand of God in chapter 5 and then begins to break those seals in chapter number 6. It is the Son of God that will release the wrath of God during the tribulation period. It is He that returns back in glory in Revelation 19. It is He that is reigning in power during the millennium age in Revelation 20. It is He that recompenses the wicked at the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20. It is he that is revealed in eternity in Revelation 21 and 22. I want you to know that all of our future, all of our future depends on the fact that Jesus is alive. He lives. He lives. He lives. Do you know him? Is he real in your heart? We're standing all over the house. Could I have a, maybe an invitational hymn, somebody to music and a Somebody come lead the song, whatever it is. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. And because he lives, where did I start with? Because he lives, he's able to save sinners. And if you're in this service today, having never been born again, having never bowed the knees of your heart, I want you to know that God will save you if you'll come to him. Luke 19, 10, the short... Uh, listen, it's the gospel in a nutshell. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That, that was His prime purpose in coming. God wants to save sinners. It's why we're gathered. The commission was given to the church. The commission to preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1, 16, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Even as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul said that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. Are you saved? If you aren't, you ought to bow somewhere in these altars. You ought to take somebody by the hand that's standing with you and say, if you'll go pray with me, I'll go. Could be someone here this morning that problems difficulties decisions other issues in your life may have you pulled down but we've got a living Savior that wants to give you grace right now if you'll just come to Him and say Lord help me can I share this with you I keep wanting to use them as steps I, I'll break my neck if I don't want to do that the first time grace is found in the scriptures in Genesis 6 8 but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
And that, that word for grace, that Hebrew word, it comes from a Hebrew root word that means it's someone of a superior standing bows, stoops over to render aid to someone of an inferior standing. And that's where that Hebrew word for grace comes from. And the idea is that Noah, small, a sinner in this world, the God of heaven, bent over, stooped down, and gave Noah grace. And if you're so loaded with burdens and you know you may know you're going to heaven, you may not doubt your salvation, but are you experiencing full joy this morning? Or has, or has the, the cares and the, and the difficulties of life got you pulled and beaten down? Jesus is alive. And because he lives, he can bend over, stoop down, and give you grace. Why don't you come to him this morning? Whatever the need is, that's the message. Y'all sing. If you have a need to come, would you come?